Attention architects and creative minds, get ready to supercharge your brand with Build Your Brand, the podcast that's unlocking the secrets of branding success for creatives. Hey there, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my friend, architect marketing expert, Jeff Eccles at Build Your Brand Podcast, where he explores the captivating stories of the world's top brands and transforms their lessons into powerful moves for small firm architects and creatives like you. In season one, Jeff shares the thrilling tale of Southwest Airlines, where he dissects their journey to the summit and distills it into strategies tailor-made for you. It's important to keep in mind that companies like Southwest compete in the real world, just like you, and face real-world challenges, just like you. You might be surprised at how similar those challenges are to the struggles that you grapple with on a day-to-day basis. Don't miss out on your blueprint for success. Subscribe, tune in, and let's build your brand together. You may have noticed that the very best brands in the world are also known for having somewhat unique corporate cultures. That's often the glue that holds everything together when they encounter those rough spots. We don't do it because it inconveniences the passengers to whom we are primarily dedicated, the short haul, uh, frequent flyer. Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Your Brand today. Remember, no matter the size, the journey's the same. Your brand's journey to the top starts here. Context and Clarity has been called a community-based pro-practice masterclass for architects. It's awfully high praise, but since we began this journey back in April of 2020, we've certainly grown into a community of small firm architects, all focused on what matters most to their success. And by the way, it doesn't matter if you're the employee of a firm that's dreaming of going out on your own, or you've owned your own firm for 26 years. There's something here for everyone. And that's where you come in. Thanks for listening and welcome to the Context and Clarity Podcast. Every week, we have a conversation with an expert or a thought leader on things that matter most to the success of architects just like you. Then we go backstage with someone from our community and we talk about what we learned, what our biggest takeaways were, and how we're going to apply what we heard to our own businesses. In this episode, we talked with Evan Troxel. In the last episode, I said that Matias Del Campo was one of the few return guests that we've had on Context and Clarity Live. Well, this week, we brought back our very first Context and Clarity Live guest, Evan Troxel. Evan is no stranger to the Context and Clarity or the Entree Architect communities, but in case you don't know him, he's an architect. He's the host of the podcast Troxel, which is spelled T-R-X-L, also a co-host of the long-running podcast Arcaspeak and the Architectural Community Director at Tect App, and that's spelled T-E-C-T App. I initially asked Evan to come back because I think that he's the perfect person to help us wrap up a year of talking about high-tech topics like metaverse and cryptocurrency and NFTs, generative design and artificial intelligence. Evan is embedded in both the architecture and the tech worlds. So he has a point of view that's both progressive and pragmatic. 
we went all the way around the barn and back with this conversation. And we talked not only about tech that's useful to firms and why some are more focused on new tech than others, but we also talked about working on the profession, as in working on, not in the profession. Catherine McPhail joined me once again for both the conversation with Evan Troxell and backstage afterward. Catherine is my co-host, and she's an architect and a podcaster in Fairhaven, Massachusetts. In addition to Context and Clarity, Catherine hosts Talking Home Renovations with the House Maven, and she's the CEO of Demios Architects. As always, I'm looking forward to talking about our takeaways from this conversation. So let's go backstage and listen in as Catherine and I talk about our conversation with Evan Troxell, host of the podcast Troxell and Architecture Community Director at Tech App. We had a, uh, I think, a very good conversation, not only about tech in architecture, but tech, this uh, startup that Evan is now involved with. So a um, little, little bit of a combo talking about the product, but also talking just in general about how tech is and will shape the future of the practice of architecture. It has been a really interesting year. And I was thinking about last week when you were talking about if people were listening to this now, their minds could be blown because of this whole AI thing we were talking about, right? And I realized, okay, that's maybe it. Like my mind's been kind of blown a lot this year to the point where it's blown open to be open to all these things. And so I, the more we talk about it, the less um, jarring I find it. You know, the less I feel like I can't imagine that kind of world. Now I just You're can. You're numb to it now. <laughs> I have gotten used to it. Yeah, I am uh, numb to it. No, but just into just it's more of a reality to me now that I've I've been talking to all these these people, and I I didn't feel like there was that much of a recap from him as I was thinking there might have been. With Evan, I was thinking that it would be kind of like um yeah this is what we've been talking about this year and here's a summation and it didn't really feel like that we didn't we didn't touch on the, all the different topics that we have been talking about i think what we were talking about is what i have in my notes here which is what does this have to do with me right what does tech have to do tech t-e-c-h what does that have to do with a, the practicing architect uh they you know just a regular old architect and um he was talking about how he feels like his value isn't as a drafter so taking away certain mundane or boring parts of architectural practice is um, freeing him up for what his true value is. So I, I think we've been talking about that with a number of people this year, but uh, I think a lot of us agree. Like we're always talking about these CDs that we don't want to do anymore. Pretty much we'd be okay with giving that up. I, I think that's actually the perfect note because that's the question that we get a lot. You know, Hey, we're going to have this metaverse architect on. Well, what does this have to do with me, a quote-unquote normal architect? Or we're going to have somebody talking about NFTs. Well, what does this have to do with me, the the architect that's, that's designing homes or or uh, tenant improvements or whatever it is that I'm doing? And, and, and that really was the impetus for having Evan on and saying, you know, what's practical? You know, where do you see? Uh, and, and he mentioned a couple of... Um, a couple of talks that he's done recently went to Kansas, AI Kansas, for their um, 
their conference. And, and then he was at a, um, a round table in San Diego that was for uh, CFOs, chief financial officers. And I thought the, the really ironic piece of that was that the CFOs were more interested in future technologies in the field than the architects were. I think it's simple. They are working more on the business than in the business, right? They're not project based. Of course, they're working on projects, but they probably they're more overhead, right? So they're they're touching lots of projects. They they hear a lot of pain points from different groups about tracking time and budgets and project management and all of these things. And so they're looking for better ways for the architects who are the engine for their machine to do things. But the architects can't get out of their own way to do that. So they're looking at it as an opportunity to go back to the architects. I mean, look what I just learned. Do you, you know about this stuff? And I think a lot of times the architects are going to probably know some of the things, at least, that I brought up. But there's not time to take it all in, right? This isn't the matrix. You can't just plug me in and all of a sudden I know AI or I know Kung Fu, right? It's It just doesn't work like that. So, so. I think that they're looking at it like I could help add value back to the business by bringing these things to light within the company and then also help break down the barriers between these very different departments, right? Design and architecture and financial stuff and contracts and business operations. And these are people who sit at the, at the leadership tables in very serious strategy meetings, right? Even as CFOs. So for them to kind of take an interest in what is going on architecturally is, is awesome. Right. And then architects, you know, back to the Kansas one, I think it's just like, this is kind of scary. This is kind of overwhelming. Oh, I already do some of that. I don't, I, you know, I can't do it all, which I totally get. And so I, I think that's kind of where I see a, a bit of a difference in the reaction or the response to the content that I, that I was presenting. Now, he gave some really good reasons for that that I think make total sense, but um, but that felt pretty ironic as as he was saying it. Uh, I, I understand more now, you know, the architects with their, their heads down and trying to get the next set out and, you know, all of this and the CFOs thinking about the future of the business, you know, interested in efficiencies and things like that. Um, but as he was saying it, I was like, whoa, wow, that's... That seems ironic, but yeah, well, it it kind of ties back again to what we have talked about almost every time we talk about something having to do with AI or tech and architecture is that architects are afraid of their job being taken away. So maybe they're less open to contemplating what, what it all means. Yeah. I, I think there's a, um, I think there's this constant struggle, right? Architects are, they're envisioning things. They're creating, they're designing things. And, and of course, a lot of that, that's in their heads, right? That's, that's, that all of that's happening in your brain and you've got to find a way to, to get that out and to express that and communicate that. And for a lot of us, it starts with uh, trace paper and a, and a pen or a pencil or something like, you know, some utensil like that. And eventually turns into a CAD or a BIM program. But I think, 
I think the disconnect is in how do I get this out of my head and how do I communicate this and how difficult is the tool in order to do that? And you you mentioned at some point as we were talking that um, you don't you don't know um, all, all of the bells and whistles that are in your BIM program. You don't know, you know, how, how to use all of the features and newsflash. Nobody does. Right. Some people seem to, well, they, they, so they may know more than you do, but they don't know all of them. Right. And, and I think to me, I think that's one of the, the constant struggles is as the technology gets better, it does become easier. You know, it's, I've told this story before when I was doing my internship, uh, one of the first projects that I worked on was a, uh, they call it a conservatory for a really big house, you know, for somebody's mansion and, uh, the elevations were just filled with, with lots and lots of windows. And I had to draw the elevations. That was my assignment, draw the elevations of this. And I was so proud of myself because this was the first elevation that I had drawn and I did it with a pencil on paper and I took it in to show the partner that I was working with on, on this project. And I was, you know, I'm walking to his office and I'm proud of myself and he looks at it and he says, that's not how you draw a window. You know, he wasn't being a jerk about it or anything. He's like that literally, that's not how you draw a window because you know, you look, you look at the elevation of the window and you can see how the parts and pieces move. These are double hung windows. So if this sash isn't drawn right, that's not how that, that window operates. That's not how you draw that window. And you had to go erase it all. Yeah. And he said, go, here's, you know, here's the catalog. Here's the model, you know, find the window, learn how this window operates and draw that window. And so I had, I had to start over, drew all those elevations again by hand um, this time properly, because now I understand how, because of this teaching moment, I understand how that window operates and now how to draw it. And I think about that and I go, well, you know, then I started using AutoCAD and then all I had to do is draw, you know, how many hours did I have in drawing and redrawing with a pencil, those elevations go to AutoCAD. I just have to draw that window one time and then I can copy it. So it does become easier, it becomes more efficient. And then when, um, when uh, BIM comes along, when Revit comes along, you know, the extension was that we draw elevations and then we start drawing sections and we start drawing details, right? So BIM comes along and now we have a model of that window and yeah, we can produce that elevation and copy those, those windows all around, but now we can cut sections through there. Right? It becomes easier, it becomes more efficient, but it's more and more more and more complicated tools that we have to learn. And I think that's one of the big struggles too, is, oh my gosh, I've got to learn another tool. I've got to learn more about this. I've got to make my models more accurate, you know, all, all of these types of things. And I think that's part of the hesitancy is I, I, I just want this thing that's in my head, this design that's in my head to somehow be expressed in a way that's clear and inspiring and uh that someone can build and someone won't sue me and you know all of those things that are part of the the reality of the profession and i think it becomes overwhelming at some point and and there are a lot of people that that lose track you know oh, i don't want to learn another tool yeah but 
this tool could change the way you do business. Absolutely. There's two. Okay. I was just, you know how you get notices about your recurring subscriptions, annual subscriptions. So I had signed up for this training academy for the program I use. It's like $280 or something for the year. I never used it. And then it renewed. And then I thought, okay, it renewed. I'm definitely going to use it this year. Like I'm going to use it so much. It'll be like the value of two years. And then it just renewed this weekend again. Have I ever used it? No, but there's all this information there that I could, I just need to set time aside because yeah, we're always on these deadlines and it's just like taking time to work on your business. It's like, that's an aspect of my business that I need to just take time to do because I've been paid for it. And then also like I just bought a new financing, um, what is it called? Like the new financial package sort of thing. And I was talking to the salesman and I said, I really don't want to buy this because I know I'm never going to learn how to use it. I'm just going to keep using the old things I use and I'm going to pay you for this like $1,100 for the year for this thing. And then, uh, yeah, and it's been like two weeks and I haven't done any of their intro stuff yet. So I just have to set aside a time. But all of us are like that. We're all the same learning new things and I do it fine now. It's fine, but it's it could be. It would be if I just learned how to use these things. Instead of just throwing money at it, because it doesn't teach me anything unless I actually take the classes. But um, he was talking about his app. Tech. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but I was getting the impression it was the first time I talked to him about it. I was I was I, I get the distinct impression that he wants reps to treat him a certain way. And he even has this academy to teach them how to treat architects and what we want them to do. And it's kind of funny because I got a lot of things that bug me. But the way reps treat me or put me on the mail list or whatever isn't one of my isn't one of my issues. I mean, <laughs> and I was thinking while he was talking, like, wow, he found something that really bothers him and found a way to fix it. I'm a little bit split on that. It has not. I don't think it's. And and I get you know we're all humans and all the reps are humans and you know so on and so forth. So you can find people that that you don't mesh with very well and and so on. So there's definitely that. And then it's others that you do, but um, I, I don't think mo most reps have not bothered me that much. Now <laughs> that sounded really negative the way I said that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know what you mean. <laughs> but I, I, I haven't, I haven't had a problem with that relationship very much, but the, I, I understand where he's coming from though. Because if I, you know, if I take a step back and go, okay, well, what's been my experience with most reps? Well, the experience has been someone calls and says, hey, can I come do a lunch and learn for my product? And I actually developed, when I was working with, uh, with one organization, I actually developed a product for reps because... Most of those lunch and learns are not very good. Sorry, reps. If you want to talk about how to make those better, just let me know. But um, they're they're scheduled basically to meet what the rep needs to do. Hey, I need to have some some the sales manager is telling that rep, hey, you've got to go out and you've got to do fifteen lunch and learns this month. And so the rep is scrambling around trying to find fifteen firms that'll help them come in and do a lunch and learn. Has nothing to do with a project. Just, hey, I'm going to get the information out there. And so there are plenty of firms that'll say, yes, we need the CEU, right? We need the, we need that. Or we'd, we'd love to have the free lunch. Uh, we won't talk about the cookies, but we'd love to have the free lunch. 
and so that's part of the dynamic, uh, and it's ultimately a sales call. Hey, I want I want to stay top of mind and get this firm to uh, specify my product. And if we if we take a different view of that, we say, well, wait a minute, what is the actual responsibility of the architect? Is it to actually sell this rep's product? No, it's not. Right? It's not. Your responsibility is not. You have a fiduciary responsibility to your clients to to select the right product and you know maybe a cost effective product or whatever something that's going to perform the way it needs to perform. And you also have uh, on some level you're going to have a liability and you know all of these things. That's not on the on the uh, product reps radar. Right when they're coming in to do the the lunch and learn and and all of that, and I think I think that's that the friction that he's getting at is they're trying to sell. Architects are not the ones that need to be sold to. Architects need the information. Reps sometimes have that; they can all the all the time get that. So they've created this app that's meant to connect the people, and that was a, one of the big. Uh, um, b- big points of the messaging was um, to connect the people at the right time in the right way. Um, and I get that, you know, I get that you, you need someone that's going to advise you on this when you need, when you need that information, uh, you know, how many times is a rep for XYZ come in we used to talk about this. Uh, how many times does a rep for XYZ come in to give you a presentation? And by the time you actually need the thing that they are presenting, the thing that they're repping, you've forgotten about it. And, and that that's a huge problem. It's, you know, this, it goes both ways, but uh, I think it's a fascinating thing that they're they're trying to accomplish. Yeah, it's true. It's very interesting. I mean, I signed up for it, but I just thought it was, I just thought it was um, his passion for showing the reps how we want them to act. I mean, I appreciate it. if they would act that way, that would be great. But I hadn't thought like, I need to do something about this problem. Cause I guess I just accept being on a million mailing lists. And <laughs> yeah, that was, <laughs> he, he got all into it, right? That's exactly our tact here, which is like, there is a communication gap. There is an understanding gap about what each side needs. We need to learn more about what manufacturers can do, will do, won't do, how they, all of that. They need to know the same about us, right? And so we took it on ourselves to educate the manufacturing side of what architects actually need on behalf of the profession, because they're not changing the way they're doing things. It's obvious, like, and, and and because of that, the gap is getting bigger, right? Mostly, it seems like product manufacturers are focused in this. I'm not speaking for all of them, but a lot of them focus on the end of the timeline for architectural timeline, right? Like substitutions, selling directly to contractors and subcontractors, right? Because that's where the, the widgets get sold. So it makes a lot of sense. But they don't realize, a lot of them don't realize, again, I'm, there are a lot of asterisks in these statements, but it's it's like... By getting to the table early, if you're invited to the table early to provide your expertise, then, man, those those decisions, they make such a bigger impact all the way through to the end that you would never have to even go to the end to try to get your product put in then. It's like 
the earlier you are, the way higher the chances that it's actually going to happen. So how's that? How did we do that? We're going to teach them what architects actually need, right? We're going to tell them what we want out of the process. Do we need to do that a lot more? Do we need to do that with our software vendors? Like the spec example that you just said? Yeah, we do all the time, right? Are they always going to listen? No, but I think a lot of architects don't speak candidly to manufacturers. They're not like straight up to their face, like, look, you're screwing up here. I mean, some architects are, right? But we're not super candid with them. I can be totally candid with them because I'm not the architect that they're trying to get in touch with. And so by allowing me to spread that message to them on your behalf is huge for, the, for our profession, right? Because it actually does start to change their behavior. The mailing list and the the lunch and learns and the whole thing and it's it, it, you know another part of that is um you know and some people are are listening to this they're sitting at their desk at a firm and they're going yeah i hate it when the rep pops in because they're interrupting right we're really busy right now and all of that and and you know you you know this about me email is not the easiest way to connect with me and that's my own fault for two reasons. One, because I've given up and two, because I've, I've uh, signed up for so many things that it's just noise. All of it is noise. All of it is, is mailing lists. More than half of it is spam things I didn't sign up for, but I've signed up for a lot of things. <laughs> and that makes my email overwhelming. Um, at some point I will just create a new email address and just send everything else to a, a junk folder. But, um, but I think it's, to me, that that information, when I need it, right at the right time, that's the helpful part. Um, that 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 to me is part of the genius of this is I can connect to a real person that can answer my questions, can point me in the right direction, can give me the information that I need on you know whatever, without having to try to search things and the eighteen thousand unread emails that I have or something like that. I have thousands, but I actually like being able to look up emails and information from like reps. Let's say I went to this lunch and learned what was it? And there it is, because I have thousands and thousands of them. What I'd say for the wrap up for this whole year has been it's it's been very interesting and I'm looking forward to the future. That's what I think. I like I can't wait till these things come to fruition. All these things that we talk about and his app. I, I agree. I mean, I I think again, this is I know I harp on a lot of these things, but I, this profession and the way that we work has not changed tremendously in a long time, a hundred years or something like that. Same with construction. There's definitely advances and, you know, things like that, but I would welcome any, any sort of technology that helps make the profession better, helps you do your work easier, more efficiently, provide more value to your clients. And that's one of the things that I appreciate about, about Evan is he, he's always looking for those, those types of tools. And, you know, I said at the very beginning, I think he's, he's very, uh, forget what the word was I used, but progressive, you know, he's, he's thinking about the future, but also very practical. Well, what did you think? Did you hear something in there that you can use in your practice today? If you were so inspired by this conversation that you'd like to watch the entire Context and Clarity Live episode, 
head on over to the Entree Architect YouTube channel. There's a playlist there that has all of the full Context and Clarity live episodes. And if you want more of the Context and Clarity podcast delivered to you every week, give us a thumbs up and subscribe wherever you consume podcasts. If you like content like this, check out Gable Media. It's a multimedia network for people that care about the built environment, and it's the home of Context and Clarity. With Gable's growing family of podcasts and video channels, I know you'll find something there that interests you. You can learn more at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. And one last thing before you go. If the topic of today's episode is of particular interest to you, join me over on Facebook today at 4 p.m. Eastern inside the Entree Architect Community Facebook group. That's where every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern, I host Context and Clarity Conversations, and we take topics like this, and we dig deeper. We have a conversation in real time to try to find more clarity around the things that matter most to you. So thanks for listening. I hope our time together has inspired you to think about your community and your practice and how you can support those around you. We'll be back here again next week. And in the meantime, I hope you'll join me and the Entree Architect community on Facebook today at 4 p.m. Eastern so that we can help each other find more clarity around the topics that matter most, no matter what your context is. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that <laughs> then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long-term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh my the one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success.